Okay, First Peter chapter 2. Wonderful thoughts that Peter has given for us under inspiration of the Spirit of God. In verse 15 and 16, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Uh, testimony of the church. <laughs> and it should be that way, not necessarily is so. <clears throat> as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. That's what we looked at last week. Verse 16, the first part, first half. And then, honour all men. Verse 17, love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honour the king. <laughs> Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. What glory is it, if when ye are buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But when ye are do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. We won't be getting that far today for sure, but there's some good thoughts there. Let's pray and start our study. Thank you, Lord, for the precious word of God giving us instruction in difficult days. Lord, we don't have to be unsure about what and where the world is headed and what's going to happen. And Lord, I pray that we would be about our Father's business as servants of Christ, doing his will, not ours, in this world and making a difference and silencing the foolish people that make accusations against believers. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the word tonight and our fellowship and our prayer time may be around yourself, the precious Son of God, the Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so we've been looking at submission here for some time in chapter 2, verse 13 to 25, to be submissive as obedient believers. That's point E. There was four, five others Prior to this, other points, but this one we're on to be submissive as obedient believers. And verse 13, to be obedient as subjects or citizens, subjects of society. Um, <clears throat> to be submissive as servants. And so we're in the middle of these two. To be submissive, submissive as subjects. We've read verse, well, it's verse 13 through to 15. And we've looked at those. And then first 15 we looked at partly last week again. To be submissive as servants. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. When you read something like that you've got to think of what he's, what he's saying. What does he mean? <clears throat> using your liberty. When we get saved we're libera liberated from, what is it? Our sin. Um, we're liberated from the jail that the devil had us in. We're, we're liberate, liberated from self, serving self. But we're not liberated to do as we please. And last week, remember, we looked at <clears throat> some areas that we don't just do as we please. Drinking. And uh, we looked at verses that. Diet, what do we eat? And uh, it, particularly in that day, 
because there was a real issue about things offered to idols. And so that was what they used as the instance, especially in Romans 14. <clears throat> dress. We touched on dress. We're not at liberty to do as we please in regards to our dress. Because we are to dress honourably, respectfully and modestly. And if we don't, then it tells us, it tells me that that person, if they're a Christian, is just pleasing themselves, doing what they want. And also in regard to days, um, <clears throat> the day, particularly back in the early New Testament, because it was a big issue, the days, the feast days, and all the days that are so used to celebrating, and uh, as far as Jews were concerned, and um, <clears throat> Paul what, what, why do we meet on Sunday? What, what, are the, what do the Seventh-day Adventists say about us Baptists or most churches for meeting on Sunday? <laughs> Not quite, but they, they make some pretty bold statements and that we're, you know, we're doing the devil's thing and we're following the Catholic Church and all that. The Catholic Church didn't start to 300 AD in... in they were meeting. Well, how do you know they were meeting on the first day of the week? They were going from Sorry? They were going from house to house meeting on the first day. On the first day of the week? You'll have to find me a verse for that one. <laughs> Where else? There is, a, there is a verse. Okay. Pentecost. Another one. There's a verse Doug said. He's memorised it some time, long time ago. Yeah, it's in First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. That's where you're thinking. On the first day of the week when you gather together in my name, take up the collection for the saints at, at Jerusalem. And he's talking to the Corinthians. And so, <clears throat> you know, that and as far as history is concerned, that's when the early disciples met. And that's when the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. <clears throat> we do not continue in the... And in fact, this, the Sabbath day was given particularly to who? Jews. Jews to the nation of Israel. And uh, <clears throat> that's something that's one of those things that are finished with. Okay, we uh, move on to liberty. That was liberty is not a to be turned into license. And we looked at that last week, to do as we please. Liberty, secondly, is not to be abused by laziness. As you... Read verse 16 right in the last part. But as the servants of God. So as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. Like a cloak and dagger thing we talked about last week. To do what we please. <clears throat> Secretly going about enjoying uh, so much liberty. It's turned to license. But as liberated ones you're the servants of God. That ties it. Right back to a responsibility that we have <clears throat> as a servants of God. This means we've been made free to serve him, to do what he wants, not what we want. First Corinthians. <clears throat> First Corinthians in chapter 6. Well known verse. And 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? who is in you, whom ye have of God, and ye are not your own. See, <laughs> we've been liberated, but we are not our own. 
We're owned by a different master now. We're owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we have the Spirit of God indwelling us. For ye are brought with a price. Therefore, we're to glorify God in our body, in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. So the responsibility comes upon the person as a Christian, a believer who's been saved from their sin, to recognise the ownership of the Lord Jesus of ourselves. And that has to do with everything we have, everything we do. Uh, <clears throat> it's a high and holy calling to be a Christian. God's called, called us to be servants. And as you go through the Gospels, is this theme picked up? Is it, you know, the Lord was emphasising in his ministry certain things? We might look at a couple in a, in a little bit. Can you think of anything where we as the servants of God, we're not our own, but we're his servants? In what way are we servants? What, what does it call us there? Or how, what's the illustrations used? Okay, that's in the epistles. Therefore glorify God in our bodies. We serve one another. Serve one another, that's in the epistles. Yeah, we look at that. John? No. no. Scratch your beard. Okay. Yes, yep. That's our responsibility. What about the parables? Well, the parables. The parables of the pounds, the parables of the talents. And all these, the responsibilities that are listed there, even the parable of the, the seed and the, seed and the sower, um, <clears throat> and that and, and gives us an illustration there. So, so, so many Christians don't do what this is telling us to do. What you've just said from the scriptures is our responsibility to serve the Lord. <laughs> We're not our own. We're his. Um, <clears throat> but as the servants of God, using this liberty we have, in the Lord Jesus, to minister to other people, as was mentioned. Don't go to Romans chapter 6. And I think that there Paul really brings it home. Starts off speaking about baptism, and I believe it's spirit baptism that he's referring to there. As we've read in Corinthians already, we are, we've been given the Holy Spirit when we got saved. <clears throat> in Romans chapter 6. And you could mark off the times that the word servant is used in this portion of scripture. Starting with verse, well you can start with verse 11. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, things we used to do as non-Christians, but live unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, saved people. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust, neither yield ye your members as instruments of right, unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. And so this is what we should be doing. <clears throat> and having done this, we yield ourselves servants to him. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we, be, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. There's the first one servants to obey him his servants ye are whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness you're serving one or the other you're serving yourself you're serving sin you're serving the devil or you're serving the lord <laughs> and obedience unto righteousness but god be thanked whereas whereas ye were the servants of sin 
You've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. Being then made free from the sin, you become the what? Servants. You see, this is the this is the thought. This is the theme of these verses in verse 14 to the end of the chapter. Servants. <clears throat> you become servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, when you're unsaved, so even so now yield ye your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin... I think you get the point. <laughs> it's over and over again. <laughs> you are free from righteousness. Down in verse 22. But now being made free from sin, you become the servants of, to God. You've got your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And so we ought to be servants. And as I started saying there, so many Christians don't do this. Don't do what Paul said seven times. And Peter said here, He's been, we've been liberated for, to serve the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, it says in Corinthians, I think it's chapter 10, do all to the glory of God. We're not ours. You, know, you start getting this, see, seeing the, what the Lord is emphasizing through his word and through his apostles here, we need to recognize that and to do it. People might say, well, I'll give my 10%. Or I warm a pew at church on Sunday morning. And that's enjoying ministry. That's not serving. Um, <clears throat> serving is going the extra mile. Serving is meeting other people's needs. Serving is not passing the buck to another Christian. There's, there's so many areas that we as Christians can serve in. The Lord brings them our way when we get saved. <laughs> it might be through a, another brother or sister or leader in the church that urges you to do something. That, I remember when I was first asked, Calvary Baptist Church, first asked to teach a Sunday school class, I think it was 17. And we had young boys, young boys class. to think of the fellas in the class what was our best man's name what was his name his son was in the class um, he'd become a pastor but then dropped out Greg Greg yeah Greg Leonard yeah. Ben James he was in the class um, <laughs> there about eight of them eight young fellas in the class at Calvary I remember the school room we had there on the end of the school and um, <clears throat> ministering I was asked to do it and I've never done it before but I knew the word enough and had the materials and uh, they were, the Pastor Doug Couch was encouraging them Pastor Ron Young, has he come along there to do that and glad to do it uh, could you drive the bus yeah yeah drive the bus I remember driving that old Toyota up to Camp Murrindindi bus lot of kids to camp stayed up worked camp I don't know if it was Grady Carl Barton, um, second pastor of Benella, wasn't he? he? Asked me to come and could you dig a dam for us? Could you dig all the sites out for the camp at Marindindi? Yep, right into it. They didn't like it. 
<laughs> but I, uh, I, yeah, do it. I just love to serve. And we ought to be like that as Christians. We love to serve the Lord and for his purpose, his cause. Just want to jump in both feet and, and get it done. I, <clears throat> I know, yes, no man hath hired us, it says in one of the parables. That means you haven't been asked. But if you can see a need, I remember for a while, <clears throat> we were just after we bought that block next door, the grass was getting up like this. Everyone could see the need. <laughs> and uh, speaking about it one time, I said, instead of going to the gym, why don't you get out here and mow the lawn and get the equivalent amount of exercise? And Sam Wealth, remember Sam? Uh, he might be listening in. He's, he's asked for our address and listening to the sermons in Sydney. And he, he's a good guy. And he's, he, he was really convicted about it because he just got a, a gym membership and was going down to the gym to use his energy up. And he volunteered to mow the lawn that time. So, and it was pretty high. But you see, don't put the blinkers on as far as Christian service is concerned. There's all sorts of work you could do. There's praying, there's private work. And there's people, the, the things you're doing in private, you know, in the closet, and whether that be service or prayer, it will be rewarded, will it not? He, he's faithful to reward us all for all, all we do. And young people, learn to be willing to serve. <clears throat> and we need to give opportunities to people to serve. And I, and <clears throat> I shy away, away from asking people, why might a pastor shy away from asking people, you do this, you do that, you do that. And I heard a pastor once say, you know, we just, I was just starting a church and he's using this in his example and the, the people, you know, when something starts, the honeymoon's about 18 months. So he got them all involved and he said, you pick up the chairs, you know, you get the organ, you, you do this. You do. And he had, every, he had everyone coming back next week because they all had a job to do. <laughs> and I don't know how he did it when it grew, but I can see that. But why would a pastor not ask necessarily people to do things? Could be that. Okay, he get closer to it because they could be doing it for the pastor or for show. And and who are you doing it for? For the Lord. And so service should be done for the Lord because you're a Christian. I didn't save you. <laughs> he saved you. And if you have to be asked all the time, isn't it good when your children at home just do it without being asked? You know, they do the dishes, they sweep the floor, they vacuum the house, they hang the washing, they empty the dryer, dishwasher, whatever. <laughs> do, you know, <clears throat> just do it without being asked. And that means your heart's in it. And a Christian that does things that they see needs to be done or comes and asks, what can we do? You know, is a blessing to the people in leadership and is a blessing to the Lord. It's done with the right heart. Don't do it for somebody, do it for the Lord, <clears throat> not a person. So many don't give, don't pray, don't minister, don't use their gifts. At chapter 12, Romans and 1 Corinthians talks about all the gifts God's given people. <clears throat> different ones to different people. 
and don't see and meet other people's needs. But these same people complain when the church doesn't do something for them. <laughs> You're saved to serve. You're saved to serve. And <clears throat> you'd see it does work if everybody's doing it, but if some are sitting back complaining about, well, no one visits me and nobody does this for me, well, what have you done for anybody? Let the challenge come right home to your own heart. Uh, <clears throat> um, remember the sower and the seed? We won't turn there, but in Matthew 13, there was the hard ground, the wayside hearers, there was the stony ground, there was the thorny ground, and then there was a the good ground. Maybe just the, the, the thorny ground and the good ground, because it talks about fruit bearing in those two. But the good ground, it's subdivided into some other things, into other portions. What is it? Some bring forth a hundredfold, some bring 30. 30, and some in the middle there. 60. 60. 30, 60, and 100. That's Christians. That's what it's talking about. Some, bring, some Christians bring 10%, you know, 10, 30. Some, some Christians... Let everybody else do it. Shame. Yeah, we're going to stand before the Lord soon. <laughs> we're going to be there. And he'll say, you know, what did you do for building my church? As servants of Christ, we don't use our liberty to sit. And what did I put down here? We're saved to serve, not to sit and sour and sulk. <laughs> And demean, put others down. Demand, divide, debate, deliberate, debase, deceive. Divide and disobey. Those are the sort of people you don't need in a church. You need people that, yep, I want to do it. I want to help. I want to minister for the Lord and his glory. I want to extend the church. Hebrews chapter 9. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. It reads there, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to do what? Serve the living God. Just like Peter said. We've been saved to serve. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. All these authors are saying the same thing. 1 Thessalonians 1 9 says, For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to do what? Serve. To serve the living and true God. I can say it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it when we get to heaven to know that you've put your hand to the plough. What what does it say? Is it in Proverbs? When you put your hand to the plough, don't don't look back. You know when you're driving a car down the road and you look? Where do you end up? Yeah. On the other side of the road. Where your eyes go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when you're, when you're ploughing and you want to keep it straight, these guys today don't know how to operate tractors. They've got a GPS that steers the thing. And that's why it's dead straight. You can look down where they've planted them and they're starting to grow. From one end of the paddock, it's dead straight. 
They didn't do it like this. <laughs> they didn't do it like Mr Dunn used to do it. He had the air cleaner there and the radiator cap up there and he had it lined up with a post way up in the... Isn't that right? <laughs> I couldn't keep it all that straight. But it was <laughs> better than if you didn't sort of aim at something. GPS is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my point here. <laughs> <clears throat> go for it and, and plough it straight. Not looking behind, and unless you're, something's fallen off. <laughs> but <clears throat> Christians, put your hand to the plough and don't look back. <laughs> I do remember Greg Leonard preaching a sermon. Once we moved up here, we didn't go to Melbourne, but we were down there once and he was pastoring Calvary Baptist Church. And he, he, his whole sermon, I couldn't find in the Bible, but he found a few verses. <laughs> it was rear view Christians. They were always looking to review a mirror. That's what he was talking about. He's looking at what's... Yeah, you see, what he's saying is go forward. You might have used those verses. I can't remember. But <clears throat> that was his... Did something stick in your mind? That sermon did. I was thinking, am I looking in my... You know, if you're driving a truck, you need the rear vision mirror. You're driving other things. But as a Christian... It could be the one in, in Hebrews he was referring to there. <laughs> pressing toward, no, in Philippians, pressing toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, <clears throat> yep, are you a 30%er, a 60%er, a 100%? Who, who can you think of in times past or even in the Bible that was a 100% Christian? You know, 100% the good ground. They yielded the, the full fruits of salvation, they served with vigour. Yeah, <laughs> he comes to mind right up front. Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter. He 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 had a bit of a rough start at times, but he got there eventually, didn't he? And uh, as the Lord said, you know, he'd be. He, 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 <laughs> the Lord was talking about John. I know about Peter, and and Peter said, "Well, what about him?" He was talking about John. <laughs> he was upset the way it was. You know, he was going to like live to. He died of old age. What about you? Well, that's your my business and you're going to find out later. <laughs> Said the Lord to him, just keep on concentrating on what you're doing. It's so discouraging when as a Christian you're giving it 100% and then you're like, Paul, uh, where is everybody? <laughs> What's happened to all the people that got saved? Where are all these people that profess the Lord? You know, I, have no ma- I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your estate. Some Christians doing some caring for other Christians in their needs. Um, Ephesians 2.10, it says, Therefore we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I think this this goes right back to the book of Genesis. When God created Adam and Eve, what did he tell them to do? Work. Genesis 2 verse 5. And Genesis 2 verse 50, and that was before the fall. It's good to put your hand to the plough. It's good to work. It's good to be occupied. What did Jesus said before he comes? We need to be occupied till I come. Not sitting around criticising other people and talking about other people and saying they're not doing it right and you're doing nothing. I I sort of smile in disbelief when a Christian tells 
me how the other Christians are not doing it right and they're doing nothing. <laughs> you say, what? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we could say some things. And after the fall, in Genesis 3.19, there it said again, labour, but it's going to be harder this time. By the sweat of your face, you're going to be working. And what does Proverbs talk of the, about the lazy one as being? Uh, yeah, uh, that's in that's in the New Testament, Second Thessalonians three. But you might be right; it might be there too. He who doesn't plough by reason of the cold will go hungry at harvest and have nothing. So what's he called? That man. Yes, yeah, like that's it. A sluggard. A what? A sluggard. That's if you. That's the Greek word, isn't it? <laughs> it's gold blush. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Proverbs chapter six. See what he said here, and it's I think used fifteen times. Sluggard, slothful, like a squeaky hinge. <clears throat> there, that it just. And, and you remember who wrote these proverbs and think of all the people he had under him and how we went, would have caught a few unawares. I remember there was a fellow that used to bribe the border works. He had the same size machine as I had. We were working together with about three other dozers. <clears throat> and he would look around, make sure no... They had the old green Land Rovers, those real slow ones, those square old green coloured four-cylinder, pretty useless things, but that was what the boss had. That was what the Board of Works drove around him. And he'd look everywhere to see if there's any around him, and then he'd up in the bush with his, with his bulldozer, and he'd just sit there. And I thought, what did he get out of that? He used that machine like that for so long that when he did rev it up, it started blowing blue smoke. He'd glazed the bore of the caterpillar, which are made to work, by not working it. And that, that's, he made the bulldozer slothful because of his own slothfulness, thinking he was doing something good for himself. But here in chapter 6 and verse 6, it reads that... That's 5. Here we go. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise which having no guide oversee or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Let a little, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come like he that travaileth and thy want like an armed, armed man. <coughs> Go to the end. You see the ants today? You'll see them tomorrow. There'll be more of them tomorrow because it's going to rain the next day. <laughs> and every time before it rains, three days, they're out there and they're building their nest. They're building the little mounds to make the water run off. They're getting their eggs up. They say, follow the ants and he's taking his eggs up and it's going to rain. <laughs> follow, get the ants and they're taking eggs down. It's going, to, it's going to be dry. They're going down underground. And <clears throat> you just you can go to the ant house like learn from his ways. Don't be slow. Chapter 12. And verse 24. 
The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be shall be under tribute or put to forced labour. Verse 27, the slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. In the way of righteous is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. And uh, there are two major portions, another one, 24 verse 30, they're <clears throat> talking about the slug and the slothful person. God made us to work. God wants us, recreated us in his image through salvation to serve and to labour for him. Um, <clears throat> I remember one person was on the, was building Big W down here, actually. When I first come here, he, he's, he was working with us as a group of about eight of us. He said, slow down, you'll wear out. I'd never been told to slow down on a, on a job. I just you was there to do the job. <clears throat> well, I'm still going. <laughs> I'd still like to labour and do things. And that individual has not been working for years. I think he got rust in the joints. <laughs> Something happened, but he's not labouring, not working, can't work. Um, God is pleased, he's going to reward even the cup of cold water. We are told, as um, John mentioned, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 8 to 10, if you don't work, don't eat, and um, rebuke the person that doesn't. And uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy 5, 8, if one doesn't provide for his own house, it doesn't say, and I've said this recently, if... It doesn't say the government provides for his own house. He doesn't provide for his own house. He's worse than an infidel. Um, I'm reading from Genesis through again. I found the first doll bludger in the Bible. You want to know who it was? The first slothful person. No, no, I can't say they were that. It was a lady. Let's turn to Exodus. And we'll, we'll close with this. Now, she she won a doll by okay? (laughs) But when you read it, you'll understand what I mean. Exodus chapter 2, verse 8. And we read there, And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid, Miriam, went and called the child's mother, Moses' mother, Chocobed. (laughs) And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed him. (laughs) You see, the government's paying them to raise their kids. Now, this is all in God's will, but I don't believe that's for today. Do you? I don't think lacinesses should be rewarded. I mean, if you get a benefit from the government and you're working, great. But if you stop work and and uh, let the government pay the way, and God used this for this woman to raise Moses in the way of the Lord and not just in the way of the Egyptians, which she was going to learn as well. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, not a doll bodger. <laughs> but she was on the government payroll to raise her own child. That, that's a pretty good thing that little Miriam did to her younger brother and he, she was waiting there to see what would happen to him as he was there in that basket in the bulrushes. <clears throat> Labour, work, servants, 
and other parables, talents. Don't bury the talent. Remember the man with one talent? Went and buried it, slothful man. <laughs> and then the Lord came. Then he had to give an account, didn't he? So, <clears throat> what are you doing for the Lord? It's all going to be calculated. It's all been written down. And it's going to be rewarded. <clears throat>